Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. We're glad you're here. And a special welcome to all of you online with us, or maybe you're new, this is your first time with us. Just a special welcome. We're glad you're here. If you could do me a favor, if this is your first time here, uh, there's a little communicator card right in your seat rack there. If you'll just fill that out online, uh, there's a space for you online to do the same communicator card. So if you'll fill that out, if there's anything we could do to serve you, questions you have, uh, if there's anything we could pray with you about, there's a, there's a place for you to write in your prayer requests and praise reports. So if God's answering prayer or is he's doing something in your life, let us know that as well. Uh, and you could put those in the tithing offering, offering boxes on your way out. There are blue boxes by each store. Uh, just put that in there. As well as make tithes and offerings, make that part of your worship today as well. It's a joy to bring your first back to God. That's what tithe means. It's your first 10%. And, and so make that part of your worship. God's, he's first in everything and all things. So we just uh, make that a, a part of our worship today. So if you're online with us, you can uh, email the contact card. You can also give online. It's not about uh, how you do these things. It's about why. It's all about the heart. So you can make that part of your worship this morning. Uh, well, Easter right around the corner. You guys ready? It's me. It's a great series. It starts next weekend. I'm really excited to launch into this new series called It's Me, Jesus Speaking. It's me. And he's just going to show up. We're going to show you how he just showed up in people's lives. And he's still showing up in our lives today. And so uh, it's going to be a great series. I'm, I'm really excited. But each week, um, we're going to be sharing, and I believe God's going to show up, not only in your life, but this is a, it's an amazing time to bring somebody to church. Uh, you know, statistics say, Barna says, this is one of the best times to invite somebody. You're at a high success rate, like 80%. People will come if you, if you invite and you bring them. So make that part of, of what God's doing in your life these next few weeks. Um, and we're believing, just so you know, this is why we do everything. We're believing for 30 salvations from starting next weekend all the way to our family day the week after Easter. So uh, pray with me, believe with me, but also we all play a part. So it's, it's all of us doing this together. Um, so before we get going, I wanted to introduce someone to you. Uh, she is the much better half of me and, uh, and the first lady. And so if you just give her a hand as she comes forward, she's going to share something they're doing as well. So. We decided first service that he made a really good holder of the box. Doesn't he do a good job? <laughs> the, the white of the vanna. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, my name is Jennifer, and I run the children's ministry here at the church. It's a job that I get to do and I love doing, and it is my passion to teach your kids and my kids about Jesus. So we're trying something new this year that I wanted to come up and explain to everybody because I'm asking you all to be a part of it with us in the kids' ministry. So we have these boxes that we've made up. This is basically an Easter party kit in a box, okay? So it's a neighborhood egg hunt kit, and you take one. You can sign it out for me in the back after service, either this week or next week, with the intention of taking it home and having an egg hunt party at your house. So there are 50 eggs in there that are filled with candy. There's five invitations in there for you to decide what day, what time you want to do it, and invite your neighbors, invite people that your kids go to school with, invite somebody over to your house for this Easter egg hunt. There's things in there for young kids to do coloring pages. There's like a selfie scavenger hunt for them to do with your phones, which is always fun. Um, but the heart behind this and why I want to do it is really to encourage our church body and to encourage our kids to live life on mission. So when I say that, live your life on mission, I mean, this isn't just an Easter egg. It, really, I don't care about the eggs. 
but I do live for Jesus, right? So we can use anything to tell anybody about Jesus. So I'm asking you guys to be a part of this with us, to take these, throw a little party at your house on us. It's all ready. You don't have to do much. And invite somebody to church. Love on somebody that's new to your neighborhood. Take a couple minutes. Maybe somebody is going through a hard time. Pray over them, like on the spot. I don't mean say, I'll pray for you. I mean, let's lay hands and pray right now. Like, use this as a tool to tell people about Jesus. So you guys are more than welcome to come back after service this week and next week to sign one out, take it home, and introduce it to people in your neighborhood. And I'm excited. We have 20 kits made up and ready um, for people to take. So I would encourage you, if, if God's even saying a little nudge on your heart, like, Use it to make a difference in somebody's life this Easter season because Jesus is amazing. Awesome. All right, thank you. So why are we not having an Easter egg hunt? We are. It's at your house, okay? We'll be there. Invite for it. You do the math. 20 times four or five families, it's a lot of people. So, um, but we can all do our part. So it'll be exciting. Jump on board. We'll, we'll have a blast. Um, and remember our goal. 30 people to come to Christ. That's what it's all about, all right? We have another challenge. So we've got lots of good challenges right now. So if you remember in January, we invited all of you. The Easter challenge was if you're part of this church, if this is your church home, uh, whether you're online or here in the room, if this is your home, find a place to serve. Jump on board. Be part of the team. Uh, Yes, we, you know, we could use some help, but it's not, not necessarily about that for us. It really is that we're stronger with you than without you. So come and be part, whether it's our family day, Easter, but get in a regular uh, rhythm of serving others, serving Christ. Obviously, that's why you do it. You serve Jesus, but you also serve others. Uh, just like you're here, there's people serving you. Uh, so it just is an amazing, amazing um, thing that God's called us to do is to serve him and serve others. And just like Jesus said, whether you're feeding someone, clothing somebody, having an Easter egg, you're doing it for him. And so ultimately, that's why we do what we do. So jump on board. Also, uh, the final challenge is, is if we, for, for Easter Sunday or, uh, yeah, for Easter Sunday, if you invite or bring, if we have 450 people in service, then the very next week at our family day, I will jump in the dunk tank and you'll get to dunk me. 450. Though you got to hit 450. My face at 449 and a half. But if you hit 450, then I'm going to be in the tank and you get to dunk me. Does that sound good? All right. But it's, it's all of us together. So don't be, be mad at the neighbor if you're at 448 and you're like, why? Two more people. Come on. And so and I'm not counting people hiding in the bathroom either. They got to be right here in the room. The ushers know what to do. All right. So here we go. All right. Open your Bible to Galatians 5 and 6. It's going to be a great series. This has been a phenomenal. How many of you guys have been loving this Galatians series? Has it been good? You seem freer. You seem lighter. You seem freer. That's what, that's what Paul's been talking about, being free in Christ, not, being, uh, not shackling ourselves and bonding ourselves to our old way of thinking. So that's what it's been all about. Today, the title of today's message is, What Are You Planting? What Are You Planting? And so uh, this is the season, if, you're, if any of you are farmers or you like to plant gardens, or what, this is the season, right? You're planting, you're planting, you're planting. So we're getting ready to do this at our house. We're planting raspberry bushes and apple trees and, of course, all the, all the produce and all of those things. And so uh, we're getting ready to do that. But when you, when you plant something, you have an expectation, don't you? You're putting that little seed in the ground, whatever that seed is, and you expect a, a harvest. Now, many of us non-green thumb people, we plant the seed and nothing happens sometimes, right? That happens too. But the expectation is, and, uh, is that when you plant this little seed, this little yield, or maybe you have this little sapling that's, that's popping up, that you're going to get a much bigger yield than what you planted, right? If we, 
have a raspberry bush, you plant the seed or you, you plant the bush and uh, you're getting a lot more raspberries than what you put into the ground. But that's the expectation. And that's what God's expectation is for us. Not so much that uh, we plant uh, yeah, like fruit or vegetables, that he's expecting fruit or vegetables out of us. But that he is, there is a harvest that comes out of us as, as believers. And when God says, what are you planting? Look, I want you to think about what's coming out of you and what is the harvest that comes from that. Uh, that's really how I want you to think. And that's what Paul's saying in Galatians 5 and 6. He says, look, the reality is, as believers, uh, there's as a harvest that's happening right in front of you. For us that follow Christ, there's something that's going to happen. Now, regardless, maybe you're planting seeds of anger. Guess what you're going to get? Anger back, right? The Bible says if you keep fighting fire with fire, what do you get? A bigger fire. That's what happens. So regardless if you're following Christ or not, there's always a harvest in how you act. Think about the words of your mouth. However you speak, there's a harvest from what you let out what you post, what you put on your, your social page. There's a harvest. You're responsible for everything that comes out of your life, and there's, there's a harvest, good or bad. You know, a lot of times we like to think, well, God only takes the good ones. There's only a harvest for the good ones. No, that's not true. That's not true. We're constantly planting. We're constantly planting. You know, all through the scriptures, especially in the Gospels, Jesus used farming a lot as an example. He used, he used farming analogies and illustrations. Now, that's something they, they understood. We, we don't understand as much today because our farming is, you know, the giant eagle isle, right? That's how we farm. But for many of you, some of you do farm and you do understand. But in those days, look, when he used a farming illustration, they understood it. It was something they did every day. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he uses those as illustrations of, of your faith, of the fruit that comes out of you, the, the, the produce or the production that comes out of you. And so Paul is saying, uh, he really starts and he, he talks about a couple things. First, he says, planting faith in Jesus Christ produces only one thing, and that's freedom. The only thing, the only produce that comes out of Jesus, and, and he's gone through four chapters now saying, listen, it's not about legalism. It's not about rituals. It's not about works. Constantly, over and over and over, he's, he's warned the Galatians, the leaders of the Galatians church, and us. It's not about those things. Don't get caught up in all these side uh, false teachings that, that people teach all through the world today and even in Galatia. Don't get caught up in all of those things. Jesus said there's only one way, one truth, and one life. Now, there was a purpose to the law. There was a purpose, and by the way, the law is good. If we could all keep the law, all 600 of them, every single, if we could keep them, that's the heart of God. The intentions are good, but the reality is the law showed us how depraved our hearts really are, that whether you break one or all 600, it doesn't matter. It's all sin. We all need a Savior. That's what the law said. Paul said it this way, the law is a tutor to lead you to the Messiah. It was showing you that you needed Christ, that you needed a Messiah, that you needed saved. That's what the law showed you. And so Paul is saying, look, don't get wrapped up in, for many of us as believers, myself included, we get tied up in like, is it about works? Do I, you know, do I got to keep doing good things? Or, uh, you know, Jesus will save me if I get these things right? Let me just tell you, you're never going to get it right enough for Jesus to save you. Jesus is the one that saves, not you and not me. We have no part to play except for the submission of making him Lord of our life. That's it. By faith and through his grace, that's how you're saved. Not by works. If it was by works, you would boast and I would boast. We would say, I did it. Because I did this, because I did that, because I got myself right, because I changed all these things. No, 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 no. You didn't die on the cross. He did. He died for you. 
He paid the price. And even more so, he lived on the earth perfectly, which you and I could not say. He never sinned, ever. We couldn't go a day, probably, without making a mistake, falling short of God's glory. We couldn't go a day. The reality is, that's why Jesus says, pick up your cross every day. We've got to lay ourselves down daily, every day. We need the Lord. We need Jesus. And so this is what Paul is saying, that putting, and he starts off in Galatians chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles, Galatians 5 and 6. Sorry if I didn't say that ahead of time, um, if you can find it there. There are some Bibles under the seat. If you don't have one, grab one, take it home. It's yours if you want it, all right? Um, Galatians 5, verses 1, it says this. So Christ has truly set us free. Everyone say free. That's what Christ done. He surely set us free. Now here's your part. Make sure that you stay free. How about that? Make sure you stay free. Don't get tied up again into slavery of the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision, now if you're new with us a few weeks ago, I know male, males understand circumcision, females don't, but really here's what Paul, if, you're, if, if it's about works, if it's about works to make you right with God, then listen to this, then Christ will be no benefit to you. I'll say it again. How about that? You want to hear it again? I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. If you're going to keep one, keep them all. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with, by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Basically, here's what Paul's saying. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's not possible for you to keep the whole law. It's not possible. Jesus only had one purpose, to set you free. Now you have to keep yourself free. I have to keep, which means we have to make choices. He goes on to say, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we were placed in, in faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? Paul's saying, listen, there's only one outcome in following Christ. There's only one outcome. There's only one product. There's only one harvest in faith in Jesus, and that's, that's freedom. That's it. And the Galatians and each one of us in this room, we try to make it about something else, but you'll never make it about something else. It's in Jesus alone. And when you understand and you have a relationship with Jesus, the only outcome that Jesus wants to give is freedom, not bondage, not shame, not guilt. Those, are, those things aren't from God. God is not guilting you. He's not shaming you. He's not mad at you. He wants to free you. He wants to save you. He wants to heal you. He wants to bring freedom to you. He wants you to break free. He wants you to get out. He wants you to stop being a captive. That's his heart. That's why he came. If you don't believe me, read it in Luke 10. I came to set the captives free, not to put you in bondage. I came to heal those that were blind, physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is. I came to free you. I came to save you. That's why he came. Secondly, Paul goes on to talk about the seeds. There's, there's seeds in our life. There's seeds in our flesh and there's seeds of the spirit. And they're dynamically different. In fact, he gives you a very, very big 
uh, I think of it this way. There's a road and there's two ditches. And this ditch is your flesh. And in this ditch is the spirit of God. And those seeds, they, they both produce something, but they're vastly different. And Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5, this is what it looks like. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use freedom, your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as you love yourself, which is a piece of what Jesus read, right? First commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Now, I want to say this. I want you to, uh, as I read these passages, I want you to realize how many times Paul says it. Let the Holy Spirit. Look to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him guide you. Listen, that's why he's inside of you. That's why Jesus sent him. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants you to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out on your own good intentions. Listen to me, church. Some of us sit here and say, well, I'm a bad person. No, the reality is all of us have a depraved heart, every single one of us. We have this sin nature inside all all of us. You think you're the only one that has this tension of, I want to do what God wants, but my, my flesh wants to go this way. No, every single one of us have the same desires. So if you're sitting here, maybe you're watching online and you're saying, well, uh, you know, I can't live for God. Yes, you can. But you can't do it on your own. You need God. You need the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important that you make Jesus Lord and you allow him to send the Holy Spirit to you because you need his help. I need his help. We all need his help. And I'm just being truthful with you. As your pastor, look, there's, I'm pulled this way too. I get pulled this way. I have a flesh just like you do. I have made decisions. I sinned and I've fallen short. I need to save just like you. We all have this tension. Paul's saying, look, I have this tension. Paul's telling you, we all have this tension, but look at what he says. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, here's the results. You want to know what the fruit is? Here's the results. It's pretty long, but let me quickly go through them, but I'm not quickly going through them because they don't mean something because we all maybe have... Uh, maybe you're gonna, I'm going to read some of these and say, well, I don't have that tendency and I don't have that struggle, but you're going to have a struggle somewhere else. But the truth is, is we are all human, we're all depraved, and we all have our own issues. Here's the results of our sinful nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. That pretty much covers them all, just so you know. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, decision, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Paul says, There's more, but I'll stop there. And he says, let me tell you again, I have before that anyone living this sort of lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. I love that he gives you both. Because I don't know about you, I'm human like you. When I hear all of these things and I see myself, I'm like, there's no hope in me. But don't forget about the but. Paul says, there's a but. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Therefore, or those who belong to Christ have been nailed their passions and their desires of the sinful nature. Listen to the imagery. You've nailed your sinful desires and passions to the cross and crucified them there. Just like Jesus died for you, now you're taking all of these feelings and emotions and, and all these thoughts that you've had and you're nailing them to the cross. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part. Every part. Not just on Sunday. Every part. Every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. You see, Paul's telling you, first of all, I love the but conjunction in there. I love that there's a but. Paul's saying, look, I have these tendencies too. Yet I also have the Holy Spirit living inside of me and this is what he produces. This is what my sinful nature produces. This is what God produces. You have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. All of us do. And, but I also, I also love what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, you have to come to a place in your faith. Now, I don't care if it's day one in your faith or it's, or it's 20 or 40 years into your faith. Every day, the Holy Spirit is the Lord that you're looking to, you're listening to, you're asking. Jesus said the whole, the whole purpose of me sending the Spirit is, is for what? To guide you into truth, which means if you need guided, that means you probably have some untruth in you. You have some false truths. You need guided into truth. That's what he's doing. He's guiding you every single day. And yes, I don't want to use the words harder or easier. The more that you know the Lord, the more that you have a relationship with, the more you keep choosing his heart, the less likely it is you're, you're to fall back this way. How many of you guys, and, and, and I'm using my life as an example, so please know I'm not talking about you specifically, although if it applies to you, look, you're just... You're just recognizing or agreeing with where I was. You had one foot over here in your sinful lifestyle and, this, and all the things that you were doing in your life, uh, but then you would come to church and be like, well, I like that too over here. And you're like balancing this line, trying to like, I like what Jesus has to say, but I don't know if I want to let this go yet. And you're trying to do both. And then you'd come to church. I'm talking about myself, please. You'd come to church and you'd feel like Everybody's looking at you because you know what you did over here, but you knew you needed to be over here, but you're, you're coming in and going, everyone's looking at me. No, we're not. But that's just the way you feel because you're, you're trying to keep both. You know, the one thing I've realized if I, as I've grown in my relationship with Jesus, when I look at the things that I struggled with over here, the sinful desires and the natures, and you know what? There was pleasure for a moment. It may have felt good for a moment. It may have been okay for, for that night. But when I look back on it now, when I'm looking back on all the things that I thought that were really important on this side, they were destructive in my life. They were destructive and they caused pain, they caused hurt. And really it was just helping me not deal with the real problem. It was just helping me numb or get through. But it was always there. But then when I would come to church and I'd hear the word of God and I'd hear what the, the pastor was saying and I'd hear the music and I'd, and I'd see all of you serving I'd see love, and I'd see joy, joy, and I'd see peace, and I'd see kindness. You know, God did an awesome thing last service, so, uh, and I didn't know until after service, but we were going through services. I'm preaching just like I'm preaching to you, and I didn't realize there was a lady sitting right over here. And I walk out, and she gives me this big hug. I, I didn't even know that was her sitting there. I didn't recognize. Sometimes it's hard to see with all these lights. 
But I go out, and it's one of the people that led me to Christ. Haven't seen her in a while, but she just happened to be driving by and stopped by. Brenda and Scott Henwood, just amazing people that really helped me see Christ. God has a remarkable way of showing up in your life. The Holy Spirit has a remarkable way of showing up in your life. Listen, Paul's telling you, all of us have this tension. All of us. Don't feel that you're not as holy as the next person because you, you're feeling tempted to go this way. Actually, the, the, the amazing part about you feeling that tension is, is you have God saying, hey, here I am. Here's my heart. I, I desire for you to see what a blessing it will be by making this choice, by knowing my heart. And let me just tell you, every person in this room and outside of this room watching online, every person on this planet, everybody wants love, don't they? Everyone wants peace, don't they? Everyone wants kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control. Everybody wants patience, but don't pray for it, right? How many of you heard that? Don't pray for patience, good Lord, why? The Holy Spirit is patience. Of course you pray for patience, because that's who he is. Really what we're saying is I don't want to deal with myself. That's really what we're saying, right? Don't pray for patience, because that means I'll have to deal with my own unpatience. I can't control myself. Yes, you can. God is the God of self-control. I can't follow Jesus. Yes, you can. Jesus died so you can follow him. He paid the price so you can have a relationship with him. God doesn't love me. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Yes, he does love you. You see all these things in the Galatians too. Paul kept saying, Galatians, Galatians, Galatians. You heard the truth and now you're going away from it. I just want to encourage you. Look, it's, it's not any different for any of us. Many of you are thinking these things. I can't be a man of God. I can't be a woman of God. I can't do anything great for Jesus. I can't. Yes, you can. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. I understand you may be insecure because you don't know God. You don't have a good relationship or you're growing in your relationship. But listen, Day by day, you keep trusting and watch and see how he'll grow, whatever it is, love, maybe it is self-control, maybe it is patience, but that's why God sent the Holy Spirit to you because we all need his help. Every single day, you need his help. It gets more, maybe the better word of easier is you get more consistent because you know his heart. All of these things over here in my life were destructive, but also when I started seeing the heart of God, I realized what a blessing it is to follow his teaching, to understand his heart, to know that God's desire for me is to bless and prosper me, not to hurt me, not to harm me. But how many times have you said it and I said it? Well, I, I can't follow God because it, well, it just robs the joy. It's no fun. Really? The, the produce of the Holy Spirit, the, the harvest of the Holy Spirit is joy. Goodness. We all want that. Every person on the planet wants it. And Paul is saying, look, you, we're going to make choices. And we're not always going to get it right. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation. Sometimes he's giving you both extremes. If you're going to deny God and keep going this way, there's no inheritance of the kingdom of God. But if you come to a place to make Jesus Lord of your life, he's going to begin to make you a new 
creation. And that's my final point. This is what Paul, this is how he ends Galatians. It's not about this or that or what your friend says, what the internet says, what Google says, what Siri says, what Alexa says. It's not about any of those things. You know what it's about? It's about God saved you and made you new. Made you new. How many of you have gotten a new car lately? Love that new car smell, don't you? It's nothing like it. And then it goes away. If you got kids, you know, they buy that big milkshake from Chick-fil-A. And they spill it in the back and they don't tell you. Right? Oh, that next day is bad, isn't it? That smell is awful. Over time, that new smell wears off. You know what's amazing about the kingdom of God? It never wears off. You are new every day. The Bible says every morning. Every morning, my mercy is new for you. This never wears off. And it's not just a thing. This is who you are. You're now a son and daughter of God. You're going to mature in your faith. You're going to mature in your relationship. You're going to grow. You're going to make decisions. Sometimes you're going to fail, but thank God for forgiveness. Thank God that his mercy is new every morning. Thank God that I can come to the Holy Spirit and say, I'm sorry. Jesus didn't just die so you'd be saved. That's, that's critical. That's eternal. That's something we need. But he sends you the Holy Spirit so you can do it. You are a new creature. You can live for God. You are a great man of God. You are a great woman of God. You and I, we have the same Holy Spirit. It's not stronger in me than it is in you. We all have the same Holy Spirit. Kids don't get a junior Holy Spirit. They get the full thing. Living for God is beautiful. It's amazing. It's miraculous. Why would God, he changes this body, and I don't know about you, but you look in the mirror sometimes, you'd be like, well, uh, I, I feel like, you know, whatever bodybuilder or great actor that you look at, right? But I don't look that way, but I feel that way, right? <laughs> Listen, God is gonna keep developing you. The Holy Spirit this is why I love this relationship. You get so weirded out about the Holy Spirit because we don't know who he is. He is God. He's not weird. You're weird. <laughs> That's why you need him. He'll get out the weirdness. You need him. You need him to help you. Look, this morning Paul says this in Galatians 6. He kind of closes out this chapter. And look at how he... Look at how he speaks. Now, if you've been with us, some of you are new, and I, I understand. Maybe you haven't been with us for January, but this is, this is the vision for 2022 for us as a church, for Westridge. I spoke this in uh, late January, really spoke this over, but really it was this. Don't stop doing good. Don't get weary. Don't stop. You know, we've been in a season of COVID. It's been a long season for many of you. In fact, I had some people here last, last service at our 9 a.m. that hadn't been here in two years, physically been here in person for two years. And I don't know about you, but a lot of us lost a little hope. A lot of us gave up a little bit. But in Galatians 6, Paul says, Listen, brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, <laughs> I love this, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. Don't smack them over the head with your Bible. Gently and humbly. And be careful not to fall in the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. 
If you think you're too important, <laughs> this is so good. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're fooling yourself. You're not that important. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Anybody compare yourself? Don't you lie to yourself. You know you all have. Paul says, look, stop comparing yourself to them. You're not them. Know who you are in Christ. You know the other thing about this whole straddle thing? We want to know who we are so bad. We want to know who we are as human beings. The God that made us gave us a certain amount of time on this earth. And while we're on this earth, we're trying to figure out. And without God, we're trying to find it in all the wrong places, aren't we? We're trying to find our identity in all the wrong places. And the reality is, you'll never find it over here. The truth is, you're not going to find your identity in stuff, in things, in titles, in positions, in human beings, in people, in comparison. You're not going to find it. The only place you're going to find it is in a relationship with Christ. He made you. He knows you. Whether you know him or not, he still knows you. He still died for you. Whether you accept him or not, he still died on the cross for you. He still paid the price for your sins. And the only way you're going to know who you are is to have a relationship with him, to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to show you day by day who you are in Christ. Paul goes on to say, look, don't compare yourself. Look, it's one thing to look at somebody and get wisdom for them or admire what they're doing, but you're never going to be them. And they're never going to be you. So Paul says, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. At the end of the day, we stand before Jesus one-on-one. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Bring it on. I'm just kidding. Just playing. <laughs> Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. That's where the title of the message comes. You're always going to harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, here's their, here's their harvest. They will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. We have a good God, church. You see, the reason why we get confused sometimes is we, we're trying to God, gain God's favor by doing good works, but in reality, when you serve a good God, he's good. And when you receive from a good God, you understand that that was for you and that was a blessing. So your only outcome as a follower of Christ is to do good. You're not trying to check the box. You're not trying to get a thousand things right. You're not trying to make God happy. You are serving God. You are doing good because you have a good God and, and he deserves good works from you. It's not because you're trying to get something or appease something or gain favor from somebody. You do it because of love. You do it because God saved you. You do it because God died for you. You do it because God paid the price for you. You do it because God is doing it for you. Freely you've received, freely you can give. The only outcome from Jesus, the only fruit Jesus can give is freedom. He's not locking you, shackling you to the law. He's not shackling you to doing good. He's not shackling you to do whatever you think is in your head. The only thing Jesus can give you is freedom. He wants you to enjoy this life with, look, I came to give you abundant life is what he said. Do you think he lied? No, he didn't lie. That's the amazing thing about Jesus when you have a relationship with the Lord. It is good. 
It is a blessing. It is free. It's fun. It's a joy. It's eternal. It goes on forever. It helps people. It blesses people. Sure, sometimes it's hard, but you keep. You don't lose heart. Keep doing good. Why? He says, let's keep doing good. At the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. You'll reap a harvest of blessing. Look, I'm not doing good to get blessing. I just realized that because, listen, Jesus is patient and long-suffering with you and I, right? How long did it take for you to come to Christ? For me, I was in my 20s. For me, it took three years to even come to a place of hearing the word, hearing the word. I did sound back there. I, I love these guys in the back. I did sound. We had three services. I listened to the message three times a week for three years. I still didn't get it. Jesus was so patient with me. And he's so patient with you. So patient. He doesn't give up on you. So don't you give up on doing good. He goes on to say, for in due season, you'll reap a harvest. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith, especially to your brothers and sisters right here. That's why our challenge is, look, get plugged in. Serve. You're not, ultimately, you're not serving me. I know you are serving me and the church and the elders, but ultimately, you're serving Jesus. You're serving him. And as kids, we're serving each other. Do good to everyone, yes, but especially, especially right here. Not one or the other, both. But you especially serve your brothers and sisters. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Maybe his vision was going. Maybe it's just tone. Maybe it's both. But he says, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching the cross of Christ alone could save. And even those who are advocating circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They're hypocrites. They only want to be circumcised so they can boast about it and say, oh yeah, they're my disciples. Yeah, I circumcised them. They're my disciples. As for me, man never boasts about anything except for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we are circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon you, all who live by this principle. They are, listen to this, the new people of God. You are a new person. You're a new creation. I love what it says in Galatians 6.14. I'm going to read it out of the New King James because that's the one I'm really most familiar with. But in Galatians 6.14, it says this. Now listen to, listen to how Paul words this. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me. Think about this for a second. Jesus was crucified for us. We've been crucified for the world. And you may be thinking, well, how, how does that work? Remember, Jesus said, you could be in this world, but not of it. When you start to realize that you, you, me, we're ambassadors of Christ. We're right here on this planet for one thing, to exalt his name and to share that good news with as many people as we can. That's what, I, that's what I love about Resurrection Sunday. I love about Holy Week. People are open to hear about Jesus. He's not gonna use anybody else except for the church. And when I say church, I'm talking about people, not walls, lights, rafters, 
stained glass. I'm not talking about those things. Those are tools. God can use those as tools. But the reality is the spokesperson, the one that's going to live it out, the one that's going to show love and joy and peace and patience and kindness is you, is you and me. It's us. It's the body serving Jesus together. That's what's going to lead people to Christ. I've been, circum- I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. We don't think about it that way. I love the way Paul says it. Look, that is your mission. That is my mission. Jesus was crucified so I can be saved and have a relationship with him. So I can know him. And so you can serve and live for him. Don't you say you can't do it. You can do it. Jesus died, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, had a conversation with the Father with your name on it. You're not just a number. He knows your name. He knows who you are. And he sent the Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit to you. Do you think that doesn't mean anything? Yes, you can do it. Every gift, everything you need is found right in this relationship you have with the Holy Spirit. It's right here. It's right here. Stop saying you can't. You can. I will. I'm going to. I'm going to live for God. I don't feel very loving, but you're full of love. So help me. I need love. Guide me into love. I don't feel very patient. God, help me be patient. You're fully patient. God, I feel like I'm out of control. I need some help. Listen, this is the way it works for the rest of your life. It's not that you don't feel the tension to go this way. You do. You're going to feel it. This is the blessing of having a relationship with Jesus. Because now you have God inside of you to help you. You can't save yourself. You need the potter. You need the Lord to mold you, shape you, form you. Listen, I hope this is so helpful to you. This death on the cross, this resurrection from the grave that we're about to celebrate was more than just an act. It was more than just a historical event. It's the abundant life Jesus promised to give you. And I don't know about you, but I I love doing this with you. I love doing this with you. But there's a lot more out there that we need to go and share. We need to go and help. I can't save them and you can't save them, but we sure know the person who can, don't we? You, you're the church. You're the church. I'm the church. Let's have some fun. Let's lean in on the Holy Spirit. Let's lean on God. Let's ask for help. Stand to your feet. Let me pray for you. This morning, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, that's where it starts. Today's the day of salvation, the scripture says. Today's the day. You don't have to get anything right. You don't have to come 12 more Sundays to make it happen. You don't have to be like me. It, it took me three years. You don't have to wait that long. Right here, right now. Just right there with your own words to say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry. I repent of my sins. I repent of my sinful nature, my desires, my pleasures. And Lord, I give you my life right here. I give you my life. Lord, thank you for making me new. I don't know what that looks like quite yet, but Lord, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about this abundant life. Lord, send me your spirit. Holy Spirit, come inside of me right now right here, right now, and the miracle happens. Jesus knows. He knows if you're real. He knows if you're sincere. This isn't about me or you. This is about him. God, I need your Holy Spirit. I need your help. I'm struggling today, but God, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. 
So, Lord, thank you for sending your spirit. Jesus, thank you for saving. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. If that's you today, you made that choice. Grab a light bulb. Tell somebody, I've got one here. There's some at the altar. There's some at Info Central. Tell Usher. We'll give you a light bulb. If you're making this choice, or maybe you're coming back to God after you've been running away a long time, grab a light bulb. Plug it in outside. There's a new light board. We'll help you. And as soon as you do, we're all going to start clapping and cheering. We're going to be supporting you. We're going to be cheering you on because it's the best decision. But church, Easter's coming. Easter's coming. It actually already came. But let's be part of it. Let's be part of this amazing kingdom. God bless you. We love you.